93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. This is the Elijah Har Show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 933KWTO and stream us on the 933 mobile app. One hour down, one hour to go in the show. We are 10 days away from the Iowa caucus. We're 17 days away from the New Hampshire primary. And I bet you don't know what comes up after that. Well, the guy who does know and is about to tell us, Dennis Lennox. Dennis, welcome back to the show. Hey, good afternoon. Always great to be back with you. Dennis, before we kick off, you know the drill question of the day. Question of the day today, who is the single most overrated celebrity? Oh, um, John Travolta. Really? Whoa. Is it is it just because he's hung around too long? He's just kind of boring at this point? Yeah, well, I think you could say the same about a lot of politicians, right? I think a lot of celebrities and politicians have one thing in common. Most of them never know when it's their time to exit the stage. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I've been teasing this all show. Everybody thinks we go Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, but that's not actually correct. What comes third? Well, it depends on what you define as third. In terms of actually counting for delegates, um, it's the United States Virgin Islands, uh, America's Caribbean territory. There is an asterisk to that because Nevada has two contests this year. They have a state-run primary on February 6th in which only Nikki Haley has filed. Uh, Mike Pence and Doug Burgum also filed, but they've obviously dropped out. Um, and then they have a corrupt, fake Trump elector run Nevada caucus um, on November 8th on Pacific time. And the Virgin Islands is on November 8th, but they're on Atlantic time, which is one hour ahead of Eastern and four hours ahead of Pacific. So from a technical standpoint, in terms of an actual contest that counts, the Virgin Islands, which probably most listeners can't even find on a map, um, is the third Republican primary or caucus in 2024. Uh, and, and I find this fascinating because a lot of people have no idea that the Virgin Islands votes uh, and, and votes and it counts in this primary or caucus. Um, give us a little background. I'm gonna we're gonna dig into the entire campaign, Iowa and Nikki Haley and all that. But give us a little bit. How do you know about Virgin Islands? How are you involved? Because I, you know, you and I have talked about this before. Yeah, so one of my many side hustles, I'm the executive director of the Republican Party in the Virgin Islands. Um, so I get to play politics on a beach. Um, I don't drink mojitos, but many people do. Um, and, you know, it's it's a fun sandbox to play in, in all seriousness. Uh, it is a United States territory. It doesn't get to vote for president in the general election because it's not a state. Uh, but for purposes of the Democratic and Republican Party presidential nominations, it fully and equally participates. And actually, the nine delegates out of the Virgin Islands, because of the way they're apportioned, the winner of the Virgin Islands is likely to walk away with more or at least as many delegates as the winner of, say, New Hampshire. 
because of the way, conversely, New Hampshire um, apportions its delegates. So it's it's completely flying under the radar. Uh, you know, you're not seeing Fox News and CNN trucks in the Virgin Islands. You're not seeing a lot of the candidates stumped there. Most of the appearances that the candidates have made have been virtual. DeSantis was the first one. He did a virtual event there back uh, in October. Haley has sent down um, some surrogates. Trump has sent down a couple congressmen. He sent down Ben Carson. Um, but I, I suspect what's going to play out is if one candidate wins Iowa and one candidate wins New Hampshire, so it's a split decision, the next contest, two weeks after New Hampshire's the Virgin Islands, and I suspect you're going to see whoever is left in the race flying down to America's Caribbean in the first week of February. And, hey, I got to tell you what, that's not a bad place to be. <laughs> it's not. You and I were discussing this earlier today. You're like, oh, you should come down for it. I'm like, man, I'm going to New Hampshire right before the New Hampshire primary uh, to do do a little bit of reporting on it. And I was like, I made, I made a mistake here. I should have I should have should switch my flight and go to the Virgin Islands way better temperatures in February in the Virgin Islands than in New Hampshire. Well, you know, look, we we can sort of make fun of it or make a joke out of it. At the end of the day, it's a real contest that counts. And, and, you know, we like to think that, oh, hey, this guy won this state. Actually, at the end of the day, you know this, maybe many of the listeners, however, don't. It's about delegates. Uh, ultimately, the nominee of both political parties, we certainly saw this on the Democratic side back in 2008 where you know because they have these super delegates but it's it's delegates that matter and you know these early states like Iowa and New Hampshire it re, other than the symbolic value of winning those states they really don't matter in the grand scheme if it becomes a delegate race because they apportion their de- uh, delegates proportionately so if you get 20% or 30% you get 30% of the delegates and the and the person who ends up winning doesn't really get any more delegates than the person who finishes in second or third um and so that's where the virgin islands can come into play and actually be relevant in the nomination but also you know i think we talked about this previously on the show it just also shows how for example a state like missouri the show me state really screwed up on this i mean why aren't there more state republican parties in this country challenging the hegemony of iowa and new hampshire why do those two states get to go first all the time why isn't missouri yelling and screaming saying hey if we're not going to go first or second, can we at least go third and be relevant? Uh, all right. Iowa's in 10 days. Everybody expects Trump's going to win. If not win Iowa, he's going to win overall uh, the, 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 the Republican nomination. But it looks like, in my mind, it's down to a three-way race. I know Vivek and, and Chris Christie's still hanging on. But it looks like, at this point, it's down to Trump, Donald, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, and Nikki Haley. And I can't get my hands around Iowa because you got the governor of Iowa and Bob Vanderplatz both all in for DeSantis and saying, watch out, he's way more organized. You got Haley seeming to, to, to make a run in the polls. And then you got the 900 pound gorilla and Trump who just seems to have everything wrapped up. What's your, what's your prediction on Iowa? You know, here's where Iowa would be more interesting. In the Virgin Islands, we're using ranked choice voting. So, you know, you don't have to worry about wasting a vote or a spoiler candidate. I think it would be very interesting in a state like Iowa or New Hampshire if they were using ranked choice voting. Because, look, I think Chris Christie does contribute some valuable things to the discussion. I think Vivek Ramaswamy contributes some valuable things to the discussion. And you should be able to vote for those people without being accused of wasting your vote for a candidate who can't win. Um, you know, I've been to Iowa before. I was 
was on the Romney campaigns in 8 and 12. Caucuses are tough. You know, they're not really primary elections. There's a lot of people who even vote in primaries who don't vote in caucuses because, you know what, they don't want to go sit in a room for two or three hours. They don't want their friends, their neighbors to know who they're supporting. You know, it really attracts the truest of true believers. And if you look at the demographic in Iowa in the last couple competitive caucuses that decides those things, it's evangelical, non-denominational Protestants, a.k.a. the truest of true believers in their mind. You know, they're used to going and sitting in church for two or three hours on a Sunday morning. They have no problem doing that. Conversely, they have no problem showing up at the middle school gym or the fire station and standing there for three hours and staying by their guy or their girl. And less committed voters, less engaged voters, people have better things to do in their life, aren't necessarily going to show up, particularly if they think maybe Trump has it wrapped up. So I'm not counting DeSantis out in Iowa. I think he, you know, if there's one candidate who can pull off an upset in Iowa, it's probably DeSantis based on the sort of people who he has working for him in Iowa. But, but you're going to New Hampshire. I would argue New Hampshire is more important in, in the history of the modern nomination process. The winner of Iowa has typically not been the nominee of the Republican Party. In the grand scheme of things, New Hampshire and South Carolina tend to be more accurate reflections of who the actual nominee is going to be. Dennis, give us a little bit. Is this is this quote unquote surge by Nikki Haley real? I think it is. I mean, I, I saw the latest poll yesterday where now Trump's down to 37 percent in New Hampshire and Haley's right there at 33 percent. I mean, that's. That's a toss-up right there, particularly in New Hampshire where you don't have party registration and it's an open primary and you don't have a contest, uh, you know, with all due respect to Marianne Williamson on the, you know, Dean Phillips on the Democratic side. Uh, I think it's a whole new ballgame. The real question is how long can Chris Christie keep hanging in there? Again, I think it's unfortunate that the voting system is forcing people like him or Doug Burgum and these others to either get out of the race or consider to be getting out of the race because they do have a lot to contribute. Um, but I, I, you know, I there's something happening in New Hampshire, and and if if Nikki Haley is going to be a viable candidate, she's got to win there. You know, one of the things I hear from a lot of people when they talk about Nikki Haley, the concept of Nikki they like. They love the they love the visual of her raising her hand at the United Nations. They love a female governor from you know the Eastern. All of those things sort of dovetail together. But once they listen to her, they, they hear her talk, you know, she's got a pretty muscular foreign policy, uh, idea. She, she harkens back to sort of the, the neocon era. A lot of them seem to be turned off. And I'm trying to figure out if she's got real lasting power in the primary or if this is just the, you know, hot, hot candidate of the moment that's going to go away. You know, I, I, I think that's a very legitimate point. Um, you know, it obviously it's going to come down to New Hampshire. It's going to come down to the Virgin Islands. And I, I think South Carolina, if if Trump does something that nobody else has ever done before, and that is to win New Hampshire, uh, to win Iowa and New Hampshire, then then I think heading into the Virgin Islands, the race is over. If it's a split decision, if, if DeSantis wins Iowa and Haley wins uh, New Hampshire or, or DeSantis wins Iowa and Trump wins New Hampshire, then it's a completely different ballgame. And that's where, again, look, February 8th, the Virgin Islands, it's going to be the place to be because either the Virgin Islands is going to confer, uh, confirm the narrative that Trump is the nominee, the presumptive nominee of the Republican Party, 
or it's going to be a signal that this is a wide open race that's not going to be decided until the delegates gather in Milwaukee, particularly when you look at all the things that are on the calendar for late winter and spring involving the 45th president of the United States. Uh, I love it. Always be closing. Always be always be talking about the Virgin Islands. Let's let's talk longer term. Um, I, I think just just candidly, I think at this point, I think Trump's going to be the nominee. I think Biden's going to be the nominee for the Democrats. You get two people that I think start with really high negatives. Give us sort of I, I know a million things can happen. But as we stand here today, if it's Biden against Trump, what's the thing that pushes one of them over the edge? I'm not going to even pretend that I know what's going to happen because nobody knows what they're going to is going to happen. This has never happened before in the modern era. I mean, the last time you had a former president running against an incumbent president was what, 1892? I'm sure somebody's going to fact check me on that. What was that? Cleveland and Harrison. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you know, it's just for all intents and purposes has never happened before. Yes, it happened back then, but I mean, campaigns were completely different back then. You didn't even run back then. You stood for election. Um, so I think we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with all these assorted criminal and civil trials at the state and federal level. We don't know if he's going to get sentenced to prison. We know he's going to get convicted somewhere. Is he going to get sentenced to prison before Milwaukee, after Milwaukee? Uh, you know, what happens with Biden? You know, is he, we've talked about this on your show before, is he going to be the Democratic nominee when you look at his numbers today? I still believe that when Democrats gather in Chicago, he will not be the nominee coming out of that convention. I think it's going to be the governor of Illinois. I, you know, it's funny. You and I, are, I think, are the only two people in America that still think Pritzker is going to end up being the nominee for the Democrats. And and I keep thinking this. I, you know, I watched a story this morning about how Biden is freezing Kamala out of any decision making. It's clear they don't have a great partnership. She's a weak Democrat. But we're getting pretty late in the in, in this year for Biden to step aside. And I, you know, at this point, I'm not sure that the Democratic Party elders are well, going to come well, to well, 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 let's be clear. There's a difference between stepping aside and there's a difference to just not being able to run again for obvious reasons. I mean, look, the, the, the reality is if Trump is not the nominee and it's Biden, I think any Republican beats Biden. It's just a question of by how, how much. And then you're in a situation where Democrats, for probably the first time, uh, you know, probably since uh, George W. Bush in 2004, his reelection, Democrats are on the defense with the Electoral College because you have state, if Biden's the nominee and it's Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis, Colorado, you know, Democrats have to play in Colorado to defend Colorado. They probably have to play and defend Virginia. They probably have to play and defend New Hampshire, right? Those are states that Republicans aren't necessarily going to win, but the Democrats have to spend money there to defend what they have. Um, and, and that's a very serious challenge for down-ballot Democrats. I think they're looking at these polls right now, and they're saying it, it, this is going to be a complete disaster for the Democratic Party if the Republicans nominate somebody other than Donald Trump. Dennis, uh, we, we've got uh, 10 days till Iowa. We got 17 days till New Hampshire. Final predictions who wins each state? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, oh, foo, foo. Um, I'm going to take a pass on that. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm taking a pass. I, 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 let me just say this I think it will be a split decision.
Okay, okay. That's good enough for me. Dennis, if people want to follow you on social media, they want to keep up with your projections or your travels all around the world. I think last year, what, you spent 250 nights in hotel rooms? I'm always blown yeah, away by it. Yeah, something like that. 140 something individual flights. But yeah, uh, Twitter. 140 flights. That's insanity. Yeah. yeah, so Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it, you can just follow me on that, at Dennis Lennox. And of course, you can go to Republican Party and the Virgin com and find out everything you need to know about February 8th. Fantastic. Thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate it. Hey, always appreciate it, Mr. Speaker. That was Dennis Lennox. He's predicted a split decision, Iowa, New Hampshire. And then the Virgin Islands, will that be the rubber match? I guess we're going to find out. We got we got 10 days to Iowa, 17 days to New Hampshire. We're going to be right back. Let's dig into conspiracy. That's always fun to do. Let's talk a little bit of Epstein. Maybe we'll even talk a little aliens. Who knows? We'll be right back. I like what-